Growing up in America, I often struggle between my Hmong values and my American values. And one thing that was kind of hard to grapple with was pursuing your passion. I didn't really understand what that meant. Even to this day, I think it's a little misleading. But I did move out to New York to pursue a career in publishing. Was that my passion? Probably not. When thinking about this, I started to wonder, what happens if you do the thing you say you're going to do? You pursue that passion. You get that career that you want. Well, then what happens next? I talked to Yayo Vang about his creative pursuits in the film industry. And we also explore what dating is like for Yayo since he's the oldest son. And he came from a small town in Massachusetts. My name is Numo and this is Monumentary, the podcast looking to explore what it means to belong and to be part of the Hmong community, even when you don't live in it. There's something there keeping us together. We have a great and complex conversation for you today with Yayo. We'll jump right in. It wasn't easy. One, pursuing a, uh, like a career in the arts, in the creative field, is already difficult and stressful enough. I definitely didn't have support from my parents. You know, really just lack of understanding. And I didn't know how to explain. I didn't, one, I didn't know what I could, what was possible. I had no idea what I was doing. I was going completely blind. You know, going to film school completely blind. Going to college completely blind. So, like, to try and navigate and, like, think, oh, maybe I can make a living working in movie and television. I, I honestly, like, I think back, I was like, what was I thinking? Like, yeah. I don't know why I was like, yeah. Of course. No, this is what I'm going to do. And I was really, really adamant about it. And it was stressful. There was a lot of tension with particularly me and my dad. You know, there's the father-son dynamic that's always kind of stressful. But then like this just like made it more difficult. Nowadays, I feel like kids, if you want to do something, literally the internet, like back there was internet when I was in high school, but like you could not find information as easily. You know, forums weren't were a thing, but like they were very exclusive. And if you didn't know how to find them, it was impossible to get information. There was like nothing but vagueness online. Now, if you like just Google a question, you get detailed forums because right. it's like years and years of just backlog. I, I told myself, it's like, if I could pay my rent, I'll be very happy. Like, that's all I want. Just to make enough money to pay my rent and do that. Because, you know, I, I worked in a factory. You know, when I was like 14, 15, during the summer with my parents, and I hated that life. I admired my parents for literally waking up and going every day, working, you know, six days a week sometimes, you know, crazy yeah. overtime to try and get money. I'm like, that, that's a terrible environment to be in. You know, I was definitely selfish where I was like, I just want to be happy. I was thinking about just myself, honestly. I was just like, I want myself to be happy. And eventually... As you get older, you start wanting your parents to be happy. You want everybody to be happy. But starting off, it, it, you know, I, I went for film just because, you know, it was what I wanted and I didn't care what anybody else thought because I just wanted to be happy. I didn't want to be miserable. As a kid, I was always, I never, my parents didn't let me go out. Like, I couldn't play on my porch. There were those kind of parents, you know, very, you know, Oh, you're going to get abducted. Right, they're really I couldn't, overprotective. I couldn't go to my cousins in the, you know, the bottom floor, the same building. It's like, my friends come over, my parents would make us read. So my <laughs> friends don't want to come over. <laughs> right. 
So as a kid, you know, it was just me and my siblings. And while we had fun, we fought quite a lot. And, you know, it's like when you're cooped up together, you can only have so much fun before you start fighting. Right, right. So I spent a lot of time in my head, like just thinking of stories. Yeah, thinking of, yeah. You know, because there was no internet. Um, we didn't have, like, cable. You know, I would, like, see kids bring toys or, like, Pokemon cards. And then I would go home and just fantasize about what I thought Pokemon was or how I thought having cards would be like. And mm. like I would draw up Pokemon cards and cut them out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You had to like be creative. Yeah. So like that was like my mind was always there. That was like my happy place. And I thought for a long time, oh, I'm going to be an animator because I was okay. I was like, as for a kid, yeah. I was pretty good. I'd never honed my skills or yeah. like, tried to develop them. But I thought, oh, I want to be an animator because then I can create everything in my head. But then I realized I'm very impatient and like animating is incredibly tedious. And in high school, probably, I want to say my junior year, I somehow convinced my dad to buy me a camera. It was not a cheap camera. It was like $800, $900. Have you used one before or like how did you? No. Like what I... influenced you? One thing is my dad loves taking pictures and videos okay, okay. all the time. So he had like a DSLR and he had camcorders and I always hated it because uh -huh. my dad always brings it out and is always like <laughs> making me give speeches <laughs> right. in front of the camera as a five-year-old, <laughs> you know? I can relate. I feel yeah. like in my family, it's like... Yeah, so like I always had cameras and stuff around, but like I never connected it to. It was two separate things mm. and it still is now to this day. When my dad's like, hey, bring out your camera. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to. It's not the, yeah, the same it's, as it's the It's not the same. Yeah. You know, it's like, it feels like a chore. In high school, I went to a trade school. So you were one week in trade. I selected graphic arts. So one week, I'd just be in like the graphic arts shop. No classes, just that. And then one week, I'm doing your standard classes. Um, and then during, I had a lot of downtime during graphic arts. And I had, you know, these brand new computers that had this software to like edit and do stuff like that. I think my senior year, YouTube was born, but like it was extremely primitive, if anything. I feel like if, I, if YouTube had existed, I would have been like a YouTuber. You would have been one of those kids. Because yeah. I had, because like, I don't, I don't know what caused me to get it. Like, I don't remember. Right. That's All fair. I know is that like, I researched it. I was like, because the camera I bought was very, very specific. And I definitely remember putting a lot of research into it. And then I asked my dad to buy it and somehow convinced him to do it. And literally, I would just like record at school. Me and my friends, after school, you know, I would go to their house without my parents knowing. Sorry, oh. mom and dad. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I would be like, yeah, I'm going to work on a project, which wasn't a lie. It just wasn't a school project. Right, right. You know? And we would shoot stuff. And I would edit it all into little, like parodies of like cops or like Laguna Beach or like oh, I, funny. And yeah. I'd animate titles and everything. So that's, that's when I really started to like, and I love just creating it. Just being able to think of it. The most satisfying thing was seeing it come to form. Even if it wasn't exactly what you thought, sometimes there's like happy accidents. Mm -hmm. And that 
that's what excited me. That's what made me really, really go, wow, I love this. You know, like thinking of something, gathering friends, shooting it, editing it, putting music, graphics, and then showing it to your friends and family and having them laugh their butt off. It's like, I fed off of that. Did your parents ever see the stuff you did? They did. I would show, like, I would, like, shoot, like, I would shoot some stuff at home of, like, my baby sister and my siblings. And, like, I'd cut together, like, a Gerber commercial because oh, my baby yeah. sister was, like, an infant. <laughs> uh-huh. And my parents were like, oh, that's cute. But, like, they didn't get they it. Didn't they didn't understand. Yeah, yeah, they didn't care. My siblings all loved it. They thought it was funny. And that's what I did. And, you know, it definitely brought back a lot of joy. Because, you know, it's like, that's what I thought filmmaking was. Right, it's, right. It's not like, oh, filmmaking, when I talk about it, like, industry, like, Hollywood, whatever, if you want to call it, mainstream, is not like that, you know? Um, at least, maybe it is when you reach the top. So what is, what is it now for you? Like, what are you doing now? So now I'm a camera assistant, uh, specifically camera assistant. I'm a union camera assistant for commercials tv and movies uh to explain what a camera assistant is they're the ones that handle the kind of like the logistics and the equipment of the shoot um so we'll build up the camera we'll move it change lenses it's more technical it's very we're technicians we're not artists we're technicians um which in itself is gratifying and enjoyable but there's definitely it's not it's not what i went into it for Mm -hmm. you know do you still like think of stories and ideas on the side? My creativity has definitely diminished tremendously. And I've, I've been trying to figure out what happened to me. You know, life happens, but like, I don't know what it is that like really just, and I'm trying to get it back, but like, I do feel like there were times when I got really jaded and that stunted my creativity. You know how they, Say that like when parents, when you're little, you have a lot of creativity, but when parents tell you to stop doing that, to yeah. focus on something, it stunts it. Yeah. I honestly believe, because even after I started working like in the industry, my parents were still trying to convince me to like leave and like think about my future and this and that. So it, it never left. Like the pressure to not do it, mm-hmm. even after I got my foot in, it, it, it never left. So there's... I do feel like that weighs on me because I understand where they're coming from. You know, I'm not just, I don't just deflect them completely like when I was younger and like ignore what they have to say. I, I take in what they have to say and they have some point. And maybe that has, uh, you know, diluted my creativity because I'm more pragmatic. How do they feel now? Like, are they supportive or not really? They're still trying to pursue you to get um, like a regular job, whatever that means. You know, the past couple years um, have been good for me financially. And that's really what parents, you know, we our parents about. want. They mm-hmm. want you to be financially secure because they don't want, you know, you to, to starve. The reason why they don't want me to do film is not because they hate art. Like I said, my dad loves photography. My dad loves drawing. My dad loves that stuff. But he's like, you can't make a living. You can't support a family. Don't do that. Like, you're just, you're just committing suicide. Or at least they don't know, like, what that right. career looks exactly. like. Yeah. To them, that's what it is. Because to them, their goal has always been survival. You know, whether it's through the war, as refugees, living in America in poverty. 
What's the number one thing? Survival. Mm-hmm. I have the luxury of survival is not my thing. Even even when I'm when I was struggling the most, um, it was like, I guess I'm just eating ramen, but I'm still eating. You're eating each and on ramen. No, <laughs> <laughs> now I've upgraded my ramen game. <laughs> yeah. Is there something else you would do? Well, that's the question. I've the thing is that I don't know if I can go. I used to be really. In another life, I was, I'm a programmer, computer engineer, computer science, blah, blah, blah. Because I've always been very tech savvy, which helps me with my current job. But like growing up, I'd always destroy our computer and build it back up. I'd build it back up because I was afraid I would get yelled at. So oh, it wasn't even because yeah, yeah. you were like curious. I'd be like, like, oh no, I just <laughs> broke the computer. And then like, I would freak out real hard. And then like, I, and again, before internet, um, I didn't even have internet growing up. So I don't know how I did it. It was a lot of asking um, friends. I had a cousin that was familiar with computers because um, I remember the first time I, I broke our computer where it was like not functional. My dad had my cousin come over and fix it. And I would just like watch him like next time. I'm just going to do this so he'll never know I broke it. So I kind of developed a sadness for tech. And my dad always hoped that I would become like, you know, some kind of like, some engineer at Some Google. Some kind of engineer, yeah. you know, work at like Microsoft or something. Because he's like, oh, this kid, even though he always yelled at me for breaking stuff, he saw that I was like, well, I was trying to fix it and could fix it and would always just constantly tinker with a lot of things. So he, and I, and I told him before I fully committed to myself to just going to film, I was like, yeah, dad, I'm going, I'm going to computer science. Yep, that's what I'm going to college for. And then like, Senior year, I was like, no, dad, I'm not doing that. But I can't go back to that because that's a lot of learning. And I don't have that kind of focus anymore. You're living a life where, like, there isn't a job security because you're freelancing. It, you may or may not have a project. But I can't tell if you're, like, excited by that or you actually want security. It's, or is that something you're struggling with? I struggle with it. I've hustled right from the get-go. I hustled so hard because I didn't know what to, how to get to where I am now. And only in the past two years have I finally, you know, the fruit started bearing. And now I can kind of look back and be like, oh, that was great, but I'm 30 now. You know, I spent so much time just focused on you can't fail, you know. You can't fail, yeah. If you fail... You know, it's not just you. You're, you're letting down a lot of people. You're breaking your parents' heart. You're, you know, it's like you're letting yourself down. You know, it's just all the self-doubt that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have, especially when they f- come from low-income family and they f- do feel like there's hope that maybe you are the one that will succeed financially and be able to lift some burden. And as the eldest son, you always feel that. Even when I said I didn't care or, you know, I'm not going to think about it, it's still there. I still think about it when I'm, you know, every now and then. My priorities now are completely different. I think a lot about how I can maintain my life and also support my parents. My parents are getting older. You know, my dad, his factory that he's been working at for the past 30 years is closing down. And he's not even, he's got like 10 years until retirement. And, you know, it it was a union factory job. So it was, you know, unionized. He had great health. He had 
good pay for what it was, but now that's gone. So my parents don't say, well, you know, you'll just take care of us. But, you know, as the oldest son, you want to. And it's just like, you know, it's like it's not even a question. Whether my parents ask me or not, it's like, no, of course I'm going to support them. So it's like, it's not just, oh, do whatever you want. Take whatever project you want. I do consider the, you know, how much is it going to pay me? Is this going to be worth my time and investment? But I try to caution myself that I don't just go into money. Because when I just start thinking about money, then that's going gonna, gonna to make me hate you know, the film industry. It's going to make me hate my job. Because then it's a job. It's not a career. So, I mean, I, I don't know the answer. You're listening to Monumentary. Check out our website for more information at monumentary.com. That's H-M-O-N-G. U-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y dot com. So I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit because you are one of the few like straight Hmong guys in the New York City community. So <laughs> I would love to just go in that direction for a sure, second just to like course. understand. I feel like I know a lot of the women's stories when it comes to dating, but it's always interesting to hear the other perspective. My experience is, again, unique and not unique at the same time, because for the longest time, I didn't try to focus on my dating life. It would have been great. Like, I would have loved to just stumbled into a, like, a fantastic relationship, but that didn't happen, and I was just too focused on my career. Past couple years, though, definitely starting to really focus more on that aspect of my life. Okay, I doubt they'll hear it, but if you do, mom and dad... You have my number. We can talk. <laughs> so dating for me has always been, even growing up, has always been dating, which is like what's around, what's available, and then dating as among the oldest Hmong son, as in mm. dating Hmong women, dating someone to become a good daughter-in-law. Because, you know, like you said, I come from a very traditional, very strict shaman family. And my dad has beaten traditions into me so hard that even though I rejected it for most of my life, like you'll tell me, oh, you're, you're, you're pretty mom, you're pretty traditional. I was like, really, am I? But I, you know, it, I, it has affected me. Right, I feel like sometimes you don't realize it until you yeah. get older, you're like, I'm just like my parents. Yeah, for right? sure. Not intentionally, but yeah. And you know, that's, I don't know how that has, I, I do question how that has affected my ability to commit to a girl. Because mm, there have been, there have been women in my life that I really liked, but I didn't want to commit uh, due to fear, due to pressure. Because it's like, if she's not, well, if she's not uh, Hmong, then it's like, it's, for the longest time, it's just like, well, okay, it'll just be a secret. I think I know the answer, but what, would, what are your parents' thoughts and feelings about you bringing home someone that's not Hmong? Oh, they've made it abundantly clear. We've, me and my parents, every time I go home for the past five years, because I'm getting older, my parents, they've, they've been very open with their concerns and why they have concerns um, and why they want a certain daughter. Uh, you know, certain people may look at it like, what? You know, any, it's like, that, that shouldn't matter. Your, your race shouldn't matter. And yes, yes, it shouldn't matter. The reason why it matters to my parents isn't because 
oh, they don't like white people. They don't like, you know, black people. They, they don't like anybody that's not Hmong. It's no. And that's what I thought for the longest time, too. Yeah. You know, oh, there's some racistness in it. And maybe there is, but I, th- I think most of it is just, you know, there isn't a lot of Hmong people. You know, they want grandkids that they can communicate with. I mean, even kids now, Hmong kids now, they struggle with Hmong. Yeah. So if I have a biracial kid, the chances of that kid speaking or understanding Hmong is almost non-existent. Yeah. And that will break my parents' heart because they, 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 they dream of the moment that they can have a grandchild that they can take care of. You know, it's about that legacy. And my parents have said, look, if you marry a white girl, life will be difficult because you are still Hmong. You are the oldest son. You know, it'd be more, like, because I still care about my family. I still care about my heritage. So I do go to funerals. I do show up. I do help. And there are certain roles. And my parents understand, look, they're American. They're going to look at how we do things and think it's like barbaric and like backwards. And that will cause problems for you. Oh, you think like the fear of judgment? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, why, do you, why are you guys doing this? Well, why are the men doing this and the women doing this? You know, why are you guys, you know, because it's like, you're not going to change my parents and how OGs are doing things. The thing is, we, it's like if you're married, we want you and your wife to come. But, and they've seen people who are like, oh, my wife isn't here because, oh, she's working, because she's always working. And, you know. You mean, you mean like maybe the wife isn't Hmong? Yeah, the wife isn't Hmong, or, you know. They don't understand, like, don't the understand expectations of expectations just showing up. Of just showing up. And it's like, and again, and it's like about respect and showing face. And they say, you know, my parents are like, yeah, it is your life, but like, you will be, like, it will affect you. And that will cause tension within your marriage. And that's very true. I completely agree. Whoever I marry is not open minded enough to like understand that when we're with family, just understand it's just, it's, you know, it's tradition, you know, it's cultural things that we're going to do. Um, and I'd like you for you to just, you know, Go along with it for the two days that we're here, which doesn't seem like a lot to ask, but like time after time after time, it's like, well, why do we keep having to do this? Right, right. To me, it's like second nature. I don't right. think about it. Right, it's just like part of the yeah. culture, yeah. But to an outsider, it's like, why? I don't want to do this. I shouldn't have to. And you're right. It's like I'm not going to force you, but that that does make things a little bit difficult. There are some nooks and crannies where my parents have very valid points and I understand. And I know that, which affects how I date, you know? So to my parents, I've never dated anyone. Mm -hmm. You've never brought anyone home. I've never brought anyone home. But like, and you know, it's like, I don't like it because it's like you have a secret life. And also, it's not fair to your significant other to be a secret right right you know that limits a lot of things you can do a lot of things you can talk about because i don't talk i don't i don't tell them i don't tell them hey i'm not i'm not bringing you to my parents i'm not talking about you we're a secret i don't say it i don't explain to it and that's probably maybe that's my fault i should be more open about it like back in the day but like i was just like nah i am putting this pressure on myself and some people may disagree that, like, I shouldn't try to make my parents happy. And I'm not, 
tr- I'm not necessarily trying to. I'd like to. Like, I'd love for an ideal situation to just fall into my right. lap and just like, yay, it all <laughs> worked out. But I'm realistic. I should also preface that, like, none of those girls ever really affected me in the way where, like, you're the one. If I ever felt, like, really attached to that person, Oh, yeah, totally. I would just be like, no matter what my parents think, no matter what to say, I will make it work. It's like me in film. There's going to be a lot of pushback, and there's probably going to be pushback throughout my entire life, but I'm comfortable enough in my decision. I'm confident in how I feel about it and that I know what I'm doing. You may not understand, and that's okay, but I want you to understand that I know. So I, I, I view dating like that, too. I just haven't met someone that like I felt that way about. So when you've dated Hmong women in the past. I've never dated a Hmong woman. What? I guess I just assumed. No. Uh, if I dated a Hmong woman, I would have brought her home right away. Just like, <laughs> see, mom and dad. See? Just so they would like get off my back just a little bit. You know, just a little bit. Because okay. literally every single conversation is that. But in your family, uh, who else is married? No one. Well, that's probably why there's so much pressure. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm 30. My sister is getting married next month. Congratulations yeah. to her. Yeah. So, but you know, she's the daughter, and you know, Mong's like, oh, the daughter's married out of the family, right? Right. You know, well, my sister is not going to stop being their daughter and loving them and supporting them. But you know, in in the you know, for the old people in their mind, yes, she's our daughter, but she's their family, right? Right. You know, it's not the same. Right. You're like losing one, not gaining one. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. It's like my parents are like, look, we're not going to go live with your sister when we're old and like, see now, we're going to live with you or, you know, your younger brother. So that's why, like, you know, and trust me, they've put pressure on my sister to get married too. Mm-hmm. But my sister has been dating a Hmong guy for like, I don't know, the past hundred years. <laughs> it felt like forever. Yeah. So for my parents, they were just like, get married. At this point, yeah. Yeah, they get married and have kids. And I'm hoping when she has kids, that gives me a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> it just buys me a little bit more. Yeah. Just a quick backtrack. I've never dated a Hmong girl, not because I haven't tried. I've been rejected by a Hmong girl. And like there's, there's like, there's definitely, I feel like, inferiority complex with Hmong men nowadays. Because we're, we almost, I don't like, I, I don't want to speak for all Hmong men. But for the few that I've had conversations with, like there's a sense and a feeling that we can all see, and you can kind of see when you look at other guys how they lash out uh, in certain ways that doesn't look good. It's like you almost feel like it's coming from that feeling of insecurity where it's like, long women are leaving the community and they're going to bigger, better things. And it's like also, there's, you know, doesn't help that you do hear murmurs from Hmong girls that are like, talk crap about Hmong guys and you know the reputation is not like there's a reason why there's that reputation you know I'm not I'm not blind I see some of my cousins I'm like you guys are terrible you guys are terrible and you're you're the reason why like you're a prime example of what is not good about like quote unquote Hmong guys but you know the the problem is it's a it's a it's like like any kind of generalization. So even though I'm not like that, at least I don't think I am. Maybe I am. Maybe that's been a problem oh, no. the entire time. <laughs> but you know, it's like you do feel you know you do feel 
being burned by the negativity of maybe like a a strong large vocal portion. So, like I would love to date like all like a lot of home girls that I want to date are driven, ambitious, successful. They don't want anything to do with me. Now, it's also maybe because of they just don't like me, but there definitely is like a little bit of like. Like, I find that dating other Asian girls, I don't get the pushback as much. Oh, interesting. Because they don't know. Right. They don't right. have that preconception. But, like, dating Pong girls, it can go either way. It can go a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, I find I can befriend Pong girls really easily. Like, you know, we just connect. But when it comes to, like, being a viable dating option, there's some hesitancy, you know. It's like, it's like, it's, like, it's not unfounded, but I, it's just, I wish you just, like, I right. don't know You're how like, much is, of it is me and how much of it is like uh, the stereotype. Uh, yeah, perception of what I could be. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you know, it's like that, maybe that's just an excuse I'm making up. But that's how I feel. Yeah. And then talking to other guys who are trying to date homegirls, like other guys that are like uh, successful, driven, we all seem to be running into similar, you know, when we're trying to date. Like certain, like certain types of girls. Now, I'm curious. Everything I just said about how this perception. I'm curious on you as a, a home woman, a, a driven, ambitious home woman. How do you see it? If I meet someone and we really connect, and if he's not Hmong, then I don't think I'm holding that against him because it's just so hard in general to just meet people that you really connect with. Do we feel like equal? He's not intimidated by me and vice versa. He just happens not to be Hmong, but I've been open. And I feel like when I meet Hmong men, I feel like they're always interested, not in me, but like someone I'm with, my friend, my sister, something, things like that. Maybe I hold that chip. Yeah. I feel like the ugly duckling. Aw. Yeah. I feel like I don't care. Everyone has that kind of insecurity. Right. I I don't care about it now, but I think growing up, that was definitely something I internalized. Maybe it was how you approach. Like people, people, yeah, I think so. You're not going to be interested in me, so I'm not going to even think about exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Right, right. So that's my experience. I can't speak for other right. Hmong women. Right. I do feel like Hmong guys, if they meet a girl and they happen to be Hmong, they do consider, oh, potential. Because a lot of Hmong guys do have that pressure of marrying Hmong women to the family, blah, blah, blah. So like we always are, I feel like, at least the ones who care to be aware of it like while, while we don't consciously think about it subconsciously we do go oh she's mom but do you think that's because you come from you said earlier like a smaller town where like from fresno there's a lot of mom people in minnesota there's like a oh lot of mom- it probably because that's again that's all i know because literally it's like growing up it's like oh there's this girl there's this girl there's this girl and there's this girl who's your age right right so like when you're dating it's like if your friend dated that girl okay well then i can't date her anymore right 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 right. (laughs) so maybe maybe that is because i also feel like it's like you never know when it's gonna when you're ever gonna meet a home girl again so you really do like consider the options i think growing up because i grew up in fresno it was like oh my god there's so many among people and my parents were like we just feel you guys don't love or understand like Hmong people and I think at the time I definitely didn't because I'm like oh they're just like everywhere and it's not like you say hi to them at the store unless you know you know them or 
Right. But now that I'm in New York, where literally you cannot find like the Asian down the street is not a Hmong person. Yeah. But when I like hear it, I'm like, oh my god! Like now right? I'm connected. There's an excitement. It's like I don't know you, but right. And I feel like now I'm I understand what my parents were saying because yeah. now I get it. But like when I was surrounded, and mm. I'm like, I didn't even think about it. And when I was in Fresno. It wasn't as exciting, but now that I don't live there, I have a different mentality, and I don't. This is just like my experience. No, that's interesting because that just made me think. Like maybe the Hmong girls that I've met, I'm just another Hmong guy, so it's like whatever. But for me, it's like oh, a Hmong girl. I mean, not saying like I try to hit on every Hmong girl, <laughs> but like I'm just saying like I'm I'm very open to like just look at it like oh, possibility. And if like the girls just has no interest, and it's like okay, you move on, like every other person. But I, I just wonder if like maybe like if you're talking to a monk person like from Minnesota or California, yeah, yeah, exactly. That come maybe, from like yeah. a lot of it, they're just like I just I don't right. even, like I don't even think about it, right? Yeah, you know? that's possible. Which is, but you know, it's like they shouldn't have to. It's like if they like me, then right. I, I, I hope it's not that, that, that your mom, I hope right. that that doesn't. I hope that like if they like me. That's enough, and it's like, well, but you know, he's Hmong, and I'm tired. Like, I hope that I hope that's never the case. I right, hope every right. single, I hope the Hmong girls. There's, you know, it's not like I've tried to date many, but like, I hope the the few that have turned me down. I hope it's because they just didn't like me, right. and not because I mean, they've like, had a bad experience with Hmong men, right? Because that, because that would like if they just didn't like me, I'm like, well, okay, that's fair, right, <laughs> right. But if it's like, oh, you had bad experience with Hmong men, and you just don't want to give another Hmong guy a chance, I understand. But man, does that that suck? That sucks. But yeah, yo, you are a wonderful person. I think that. <laughs> I'm optimistic for you, so I love your optimism. <laughs> I'm not worried about you. I'm like, oh, you know, it's hard enough just to find a good man and to narrow it down to like a Hmong person is already right. hard. Right, so. and I'm not making it easy on myself. I totally understand that, like, and it's like I'm not closing out. Like, I'm talking to someone that's not Hmong right now, so it's not like I'm limiting myself. So when I talk about this, I'm really just talking about ideal. But I, I also know that like it, it does my affect how I approach dating other women it's like mm -hmm. how long term is this but you know? like how do you know from the beginning i mean i don't yeah until like i look back in hindsight i'm like, like mm. you probably yeah yeah it's like i probably didn't really like yeah i probably just like didn't try because i was like well yeah yo, you shouldn't it's like this 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 is gonna come up this is gonna come up which is dumb of me to do but right, I, I can't right. i just like I said, hindsight. Hindsight, right? Yeah. Hindsight. Now I look at it, I'm like, wow, that was dumb. But like, in the moment, I'm just like, let's, let's stop. Right. But you were young. I feel like, you know, that's the thing. Like, when you're dating and you're young, you, like, don't even know who you are, what you right. want. And you, like, figure that out. And you learn as you go. So. Yeah. This is Monumentary. If you're interested in singing Yayo's first camera or videos he shot in high school, Check out the website, monumentary.com, for a link. Thank you for listening.